Pushed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Depay! And he stretched it! Oh, finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still. Oh, my word, what a goal. Golovin. Lovely finish. Must be the opening goal. Benedetto. And Bagnon. Fantastic. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Play it again. A goal back. Oh, Benedetto. Beautifully done. Sensational. Hello, bonjour et bienvenue. Welcome to the latest edition of Le Bourge, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast in association with BT Sports. This week, Memphis Depay gets Lyon off to a winning start against Dijon. Florian Tovan is back with a beauty for Marseille and Eduardo Camavinga turns in a virtuoso display for Rennes. It's been a, a very exciting Weekend round two in Liga, plenty to talk about with the uh, with the panel. We have a couple of regulars, Robbie Thompson. Hi, Robbie. Hello, Matthew. Hello, everyone. Back from your Champions League exertions, you're 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 Certainly. looking better. You you were Recovered. looking pretty tired last week. It, w- it was very exhausting, but very good experience, and I'm back. You're back, <laughs> back to the bread and butter of Liga. Armel, how are you doing? Morning. I'm all right too. I wish I'd been in Portugal. I was here, as you heard. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And we have a special guest. Today, uh, Cyril Olives Berthe from L'Equipe. How are you, Cyril? Hi, guys. How are you? Very, very well. Great, great to have you on, Cyril. You, you've been covering, you were covering the Marseille game last night, I believe? Yeah. Lots to talk about. Marseille against Brest. OM back in action for the first time in, uh, in six months. But we're going to start at the Group Armour Stadium, where Lyon were also back in action. I think it was just nine days after their Champions League defeat against Bayern Munich. Um, unlike PSG, they they decided they would play this weekend. PSG's game against Lens was uh, was pushed back, but Leon were back in action. Robbie Thompson was also back in the commentary hot seat. So let's hear what happened between Leon and Dijon. No foul, oh, but there's space here. Shadler shoots, gets another chance. Oh, and against the run of play, the former Orléans man gets his first league and goal. Nicely done, Taco Akambi. He's got great pace. Square ball for Corne now. Corne into the area. Oh, bundled over penalty. Depay against Gomez. And he scores in off the post. Depay. Beautifully done. And I think it's an own goal from Wesley Latoa. So having trailed. Inside the opening 15 minutes, Memphis Depay has scored one and then created one. Kakare outside. There'll be one minute of stoppage time as Toko Akambi bursts forward. Corner at the back post. Oh, appeals for a handball. Oh, and it is. And it's Depay again. Well, how a match can turn on its head. That's more lovely play from Memphis Depay. And a penalty for Memphis, so this time he has the chance to complete his hat-trick. Now, will he go the same way as before? Bottom left, the goalkeeper's right. He goes straight down the middle and smashes it in off the crossbar. So, Robbie, um, a good game to, to get you back into the swing of things. And uh, Memphis Depay was, was absolutely brilliant, wasn't he? I know two of his three goals were, were penalties. 
but the own goal as well came about after some some brilliant skill. I mean, was he effectively the the difference between the teams? I think so. I wasn't that overly impressed, honestly, by Leon until the the thirty eighth, thirty ninth minute. Um, Dijon were scored against the run of play. It was a a fortunate finish from a fortunate pass and a fortunate assist from Jordan Mario. So there was a lot of luck in the Dijon opener on fourteen minutes. After that, Leon dominated. Um, they were the better side. Dijon don't really look like they have that much going for them in these early stages of the season anyway. And uh, yes, Depay was the difference in, in six minutes, three goals, and, uh, and that was it, game over. But, and to talk of his penalties, both penalties in off the woodwork, they were perfectly taken. And, and you can say, oh, he scored this many goals with this many penalties, but, but they were superbly taken penalties. Robbie, Memphis has got a year left on his contract. Uh, he's been making sort of open-ended comments about how he's got to think about his career. Did it look like a, a farewell? No, I think he's... We've been talking that Memphis is leaving every season at the start of every season. He's a, he's a quality footballer who had a rough spell at Manchester United and I think everyone thought he's not all the talk. I think at Leon he's shown he is all the talk and that even he can be a leader, which is something not uh, always the case for these, these superbly talented players. I think he, he has a big ego, which I don't think will settle for non-European football, but these egos are what these sort of footballers need as well then, when they want to take the next step. If he stays or if he goes, that, that's his call. But I, I think Leon need him and I think he's a quality footballer. But there is also, like I say, the contract situation and Leon can't afford to, to let him run his contract down. How do you see the situation, Cyril, with, with Memphis Depay, but also with Usam Awar? We understand that Leon would be prepared to sell him this summer if they get, if they get the offer they want. Yeah, I, I think they will sell uh, Awar, uh, obviously, but uh, either one of uh, Dembele uh, or Memphis. They won't sell both. And uh, they bought Memphis Depay like 20 million euros. And I guess for his last year of contract, they want at least 20 million euros. Uh, I don't know if they can have this, but if Memphis is performing well, uh, during the first few weeks of the Liga, maybe uh, Barcelona, for example, where Ronald Koeman wants him, uh, they will put uh, 25. I don't know, but it seems that Jean-Michel Olas is uh, ready to uh, lose him free next year. Uh, and I guess it's a, it's a gamble because... Uh, Maybe one year more of uh, one more year of of the pie will be uh, uh, excellent for Lyon and uh, will allow allow them to push for the title without. And also with the Euro coming up for for Memphis, it's a chance to prepare a Euro Euro well. Perhaps Jean Michel Olas sees qualifying for the Champions League next season as a transfer fee that he could get this year. Yeah. 25 million, perhaps qualifying for the Champions League is 25 million and he can sort of, at least mentally himself, think, okay, well, Just maybe it's worth it. Briefly on Depay, oh. that piece of skill that he did to... Uh, he did it to, last year, exactly I remember. Same, yeah. Exactly, the same sort of back yeah, against Angers. He it's had his, his little... back to goal to the defender, didn't he? And yeah. it, it, it looked like he was going to sort of... It's a dro- drop of the shoulder away from goal, sort of drags his foot and then unbelievable change of pace in the other direction left yeah. the defender for dead it really reminded me I think you did that game as well yeah, last yeah, season yeah. against Angers same for it's a, amazing for yeah, a it's goal. amazing to see somebody like eliminate a defender like that in the box because he totally did like he yeah. just totally mm-hmm. turned around him it was it, it was fantastic 
Just a quick point about a, a player who was very uh, outstanding in his absence, Usemawa, who wasn't there. He gets called up to the France national team. Poor guy. There's yeah. all this talk about him. And then on the morning of the match, positive for COVID-19, out of the French squad, I assume. Is that official yet? Yeah. That he's, yeah. he's yeah, out yeah. of the France squad, out of the game. Incredible. How can, how can these players still catch COVID on the, in two days before a game and, and such an important week for him? Well, there's a lot of it in France, unfortunately. There's a lot of it and it's, and it's yeah, and I think it's going to be difficult with the, with the international break, you know, as well, with players flying off all, all, all over the place. But Cyril, is, is, is Memphis, is he good enough for Barcelona? I'm, I'm, I'm a big Barcelona fan. Going to Barca now, in theory... Sorry, did I say Barcelona? I'm a big Memphis fan, excuse me. Um, I'm certainly not a Barcelona fan. If, <laughs> I just saw Robbie's face. Um, if, he, um, if he goes there to replace somebody like Lionel Messi, could be, could be a little bit difficult, but I guess... I think Braithwaite know, I, wants the number 10 yeah, shirt Yeah, Braithwaite, you've got, Green, you've got Griezmann. But no, seriously, is he, you know, is he, is he a good enough player to, to be a Barcelona forward? Yes, of course. He's... he's He's got a great, great talent, and uh, there he will uh, uh, found uh, the young and Kuman and all this uh, uh, orange uh, vibe uh, and an but, orange tradition as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, have a, yeah. Uh, he he might have to uh, to 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 learn the DNA of of Barcelona, but he's a different player and uh, Barcelona fans, Los Socios, <laughs> uh, had uh, in the past players like uh, really a, a little bit mad, like like Romario and like Ronaldinho. And I think Memphis uh, is like them, a free spirit and that he will he will settle in Barcelona. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see it, but I'd prefer him to stay at Lyon and... Uh... Armel, Rudy Garcia before the game was saying we want to compete for the title. We want to try to push on this season. They finished seventh last season. Obviously, they're better than that. We've seen that. Um, but can they do that if they're selling, say, Depay and Auer? Oof, if they sell both of those players, it's going to be complicated, isn't it? But there's this famous adage in, in France, sort of like if you're competing in too many competitions, then you're not going to do well in the league, and that's a given. So if you spin that on its head fact that Lyon don't have European competition this season will allow them to focus uh, all their attention to playing in the league, which can you know only benefit their charge towards the oh, top of the table, I don't know, but towards if, the top three. If anyway. anything, that was their problem last season, wasn't it? Because they were inconsistent. Yeah. They, mm. they took their mind, they took their eyes off the ball against the so-called smaller teams, and, and while they could perform, perform against the big teams... Against the little teams, they didn't. They have no excuse this year. The the flip side of losing Depay, Alwar, and all that, as we know, there are hundreds of players coming out every year from the. Well, I exaggerate, but the Leon Academy is really a conveyor belt of talent. And Ryan, Ryan Shirky has been showing it more and more when he's been given chances recently. Maxos Kakere, I think we've all agreed now, is almost established as first choice in their midfield. So should those players leave? It does leave spaces open for for players to come into, but then there's always that sort of first season adaptation. So whether this would be the one to push for the title, I don't, I don't, I don't think Leon will be pushing for the title this I, season. I, I remember this time last season, they they won their first two games. I think scoring ten goals. I think they put six past Angers, and I was saying, hey, hey, we've got a title race. And then it, yeah, it all went downhill. Cyril, could it be different this year? 
Well, uh, it's difficult to say, but uh, Rudy Garcia's system is now uh, uh, is now settled with three at the back, and apparently uh, they will play with uh, uh, four midfielders uh, with. Cacre uh, and Bruno Guimaraes uh, in in the center, uh, both great players. Uh, but I think they need to uh, uh, threaten the, their attack because they will maybe have uh, only Toko Kambi uh, and Dembele if he's not leaving, and maybe Jeffrey Adelaide uh, and or uh, Cherki. But Cherki is so young; you can rely on him for an entire season right now. Uh, so then they need to uh, uh, to sign someone. Uh, I don't think that uh, Tino Cadewere, uh, the new uh, guy from Le Havre, uh, at the level uh, right now to uh, uh, to be mm. a, a top player in the Liga. Um, so yeah, I think it will be difficult in attack. But the the fact that they're only playing once a week isn't that it's dangerous to have too many good good attackers as well because attackers are the ones with and I say again with the big ego and everything they don't like sitting on the bench yeah but they don't have enough yeah uh, they don't yeah. have even uh, five players five big players for for three uh, for three uh, positions for three positions so well we'll see I, I think it's been interesting that this weekend and even last week it's been interesting to see some of the you know, the, 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 if you've got PSG at the top, the kind of the next layer of teams, they're, they're looking a bit better. We'll talk about Nice and Rennes and, uh, and Lille and, and Marseille. But before we move on, Robbie, Dijon um, are among the teams. There are a handful that I'm looking at and thinking, goodness me, they're going to struggle this season. Um, they lost at home to Angers first up. What, what do you think? Yeah, it looked fairly lightweight. I thought they, they, they conceded chances at the back. The, the, most, the worst thing was when you concede six, three goals in six minutes... It means that you you just let your head drop, that you were shell-shocked. And this is when you're meant to be mentally fresh. This is the second week of the season. You've had a first defeat. You're away to Leon. It's the chance to do something big, to, to claim a scalp as well. And they, they never looked. Plus, they, they had an early goal. They had an early goal lead. Um, it looked light in midfield. I like Didier Ndong as a player, but he, he, he didn't perform enough. Um, up front, they looked very lightweight. I like, I like Munir Schweir. I like him a lot, but again, he's a player that can drift in and out of a match, and he's very young and inconsistent. But he is a player that could do something. But what what's uh, Eric Junior Dina Ibembe like? Because he's from Paris, isn't he? PSG. Well, yeah. Well, from yeah, from the young ranks, he never played for for PSG. But again, he's someone that that maybe with confidence can look like he can come into the game. He played about three different positions on Friday night as well. Um, Hard to say, hard to say. He, he had the chance to, to show his pace, which he didn't really capitalise on. Then he dropped down into midfield late in the second half. And again, he, he had touches. He, if anything, I thought he looked a bit, little bit more comfortable playing a little bit deeper. Not one of the, the frontline runners, but yeah, lightweight at the moment, Dijon. You're listening to the dulcet Australian twang tones of Robbie Thompson speaking live from his living room. We have closed the kitchen uh, door to ensure the studio is soundproof and we can't hear the canary. Is it a canary or a budgie, Rob? It's a canary. We can't hear the canary. Um, it's Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats uh, podcast in association with BT Sport. You can send us your questions on uh, um, email, league1podcast at gmail.com or using the hashtag Le Bourgeois on Twitter. We welcome your thoughts um, as, as always. 
Um, Brest against Marseille. That was my commentary game last night. It was an interesting one. Brest were thrashed 4-0 in the opening day by, uh, by Nîmes. Marseille, this was their first outing. Um, and uh, this, this is how they got on at the Stade Francis Leblay. Now a chance for uh, Morgan Sanson to break. Good ball to Tova. They've got players up in this attack. Florian Tova onto his left foot and Florian Tova is back. It's a trademark finish from the French international. Tovan's delivery. It's a good one. And there is the second goal. No, it's not. No, it's not. Marseille denied by the flag. Chaleta Saar, it was who uh, applied the finish. Now, the goal is given. Chaleta Saar doubling Marseille's lead. So we've still got four minutes to play in this first half and uh, Brester coming forward again with Cardona. His cross is towards Charbonnier and it breaks for Romain Febvre. And Brest have got a goal back and they've deserved it in this first half. Oh, it's in. Marseille with their third goal. Celeta Tsar at the double. It's another Tovan free kick. For Sourier and surely Charbonnier's got one back. There's still time here for Brest. Gaetan Charbonnier at last with the goal. He's missed a few tonight. Couldn't miss that one. Well, this was a pretty crazy game. It finished 3-2 to Marseille. Um, Brest pulled it back to 3-2 with about five minutes to play, including, including stoppage time. They did even have a header right at the end from Duverne. Could have equalised. Likewise, Marseille could have scored many goals. Um, Cyril, it, it, it was a tough game. For Marseille, because it was their first competitive outing for, for six months. They had, they've had they had eight players with COVID-19. So you had Mondonda and Amavi, who'd had very little training, I think, since since their quarantine. Um, what, did, what did you make of Marseille? What did you make of this of this game? Well, I think Marseille was uh, good for the first half. And uh, they, they have... A great Florian Tovin back. Uh, it will change a lot of things for them uh, when they have also uh, Dimitri Payet on the other side. Uh, the attack Payet, Tovin, Benedetto uh, will be uh, will be impressive. And uh, and yes, uh, I think they had a, a good game against a, a Brest team uh, who, uh, as always. Uh, tried to play and uh, well they were totally lost at Nîmes uh, for the first uh, game week I was there and they just showed nothing and yesterday it was totally different so uh, the game was so so open it was a uh, very uh, uh, appealing very it was a, a joy to watch and uh, but Cyril just to defend Brest they had they had was it three centre-backs missing um, yeah. they had to play Ludovic Ball out of position at centre-back yeah RL uh, has got Covid and Denis Bain uh, is injured and Chardonnay was uh, suspended so uh, well for a, a team like Brest um, Brest it's it's difficult you know and uh, well Fossurier in, in Nîmes was uh, really bad and they got back Perrault at his uh, at his position, and he suffered a lot in front of uh, Florian Tova. Yeah, uh, Cyril, you, you you follow Marseille on a regular basis for for, for L'Equipe newspaper. It's among the clubs that, that that you report on. Were you surprised to see Florian Tova just? 
clicking like that straight straight away. He delivers his trademark goal, cutting in from the left-hand side, uh, curling a shot with his left foot into the top corner, albeit slight deflection. Um, but, uh, you know, Tovan was impressive, wasn't he? Yeah, impressive. And physically, he was, he was really good until the end. Uh, he was pushing. Uh, he... Um, he pressed a lot. Uh, he even made uh, uh, like long runs uh, to save, uh, for example, a, uh, a throw-in or whatever at uh, like uh, uh, 70 meters from his own goal. And uh, yeah, he was quite impressive. Really, uh, uh, you you can see uh, how happy he is to uh, to play. And uh, well, he's. His free kicks are like uh, deadly. Yes, yes, exactly. Last year, it was, I don't it was two. It was sorry. Yeah. It was his two free kicks for Chileta Tsar, wasn't it? There were, he also set up another one for Leonardo Bellardi, the centre back who who made his debut uh, last night, and somehow Bellardi put it wide. Robbie, I was just going to say, Tovan. I have no memory of him last season whatsoever. He played. I know he was injured minutes. for. Exa- ah, well, that would be no, right. He the played, first 20, he played twenty. He played eleven minutes. I think at the, the beginning, well, that's when he got injured. Yeah, when he got injured. And then he played uh, as a sub 11 minutes. Just the last game before lockdown. The last oh, game well, before would, lockdown. That would explain exactly why I don't have no memory of him whatsoever. <laughs> no, he was a big but miss. It's, it's, I, it's an important that he comes back and has a good season. And and I so wonder, that's very yeah, promising. I wonder, I th- we didn't see much connection with Benedetto last night, but I wonder how much Dario Benedetto will benefit from a guy who can swing those crosses in and, and play dangerous balls in behind. My, my answer to that is that I don't think that's the... The best use of Benedetto. Benedetto for me is a sort of a very quick player on when the ball's on the ground. If he's got his back to goal, he can uh, very quickly turn and get a shot in. When you've got Payet and, and Tovar, two guys that can deliver fantastic high balls into you, I don't know if that's Benedetto's strongest asset, but there's no doubt that that front three is uh, you know, a potent front three in terms of attacking danger. So... Well, I think we can we can say Marseille might be a dangerous team this season, Robbie. Cyril, well, can I can I just ask you because we talked um, in the summer about the fact that Marseille had financial difficulties; they needed to sell up to sixty million euros worth of uh, of players. At the moment, they've brought in Pap Gay, um, the midfielder from Le Havre. They've signed Leonardo Balerdi um, from Borussia Dortmund. I think he cost fourteen million euros. He wasn't uh, wasn't cheap. Um, Yuto Nagamoto by all accounts is going to be signing a contract the veteran uh, uh, Japanese international left back at the moment players are not going um, we, we, we talk perhaps about Morgan Sanson who might be off to, to the Premier League do you envisage Marseille making one or two big big sales or at least trying to yeah big sales maybe Balerdi is free I guess not free but it's a loan and uh, well Maybe they can... That must have been the option I saw that was 14 million, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. They can uh, sell someone uh, in the midfield, and, but they, they still have this Strotman problem. It's, it's incredible. Uh, his wages are so huge, they can find him, can't find him a, a, a solution, and uh, they can, can, can't even uh, uh, buy whoever they want because... Uh, his wages are so huge that uh, the you know salarial uh, uh, globality of Marseille is so high because of him. Uh, so they need to find something. Yeah, Strotman. I think they've been looking for 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 somewhere to sell him for for all of last season as well, weren't they? He's I I like him as a player. I think he gives something to the squad, and I don't think he's 
I think the other players like him as well to have him around. I think he's an, an important, experienced player on the bench. I've been obviously away the last few weeks and haven't been following all the ins and outs of, of Ligue 1 this season. I was shocked to see Benedetto's haircut. Oh, there's there's that, little no, what on earth oh, is going on yeah, there? He's got it all shaved at the side and a sort of ponytail type thing. But like I didn't he's think really, he was that type really of taken player to at the all. Marseille, uh, the Marseille scene, hasn't he? He's got his barbershop <laughs> down there. Exactly, it's like Le Marseille uh, yeah. in, in Los Angeles. Well, interesting, interesting <laughs> analysis, Robbie. But are, are people at PSG getting worried about the, the Classique, which is coming up after the international break? I don't or are think they, so. Or are they hoping to sort of punish Marseille for celebrating so Ibiza. much the, uh, the defeat. I think, I think everyone is looking forward to and it's, it's been the, the Dimitri Payet uh, little tweet with the, the star and the shirt, I think uh, was, it, it caused a huge furor. A lot of people thinking it was a cheap shot, etc., etc. I think it's fantastic that he did that to see players in these clubs and create this rivalry again. You could feel it straight away and then you think, goodness, our first game, it's going to be our first game of the season. Now we've got Lance just before, but PSG's first, first home match of the, the park, season yeah. is against Marseille, and Payet has just thrown the first shot across the bow, yeah, saying I'm we're sure, the first. Uh, it recreates all that great rivalry, and, and it's I'm sure exciting. The players, I'm sure the players will have seen videos on, on social media of the Marseille supporters or people down in Marseille celebrating. They saw everything while we were in Portugal. The players saw everything that was going on back in Paris. And don't remember how the players reacted when Erling Haaland spoke mm, after the game yeah, there and did his little zen yeah. thing. The, the players see all that and quite, they yeah, use everything sen- for motivation. Sensitive, sensitive bunch, aren't they? They're, it's a great family club. <laughs> and the, the fact that Payet did that, I think, will only uh, ensure that the PSG players are 100% focused on Marseille. Don't what, forget what happened last year. Once they return from Ibiza. It was nice to see Edinson Cavani poolside with, uh, with uh, some of his old teammates as well. It's good that they haven't forgotten him. Even I, if I the haven't seen him because has. I'm on holiday as well for the... For, for the last few days, right. so I, I didn't know where the players were. Let's move on. I think Armel and Robbie, you can take this one outside afterwards and uh, have have a have a heated discussion. Um, Ren against Montpellier. I've been really really impressed with Ren uh, this season. Well, the way that they came back against Lille and possibly deserved to to, to win against Lille, it finished one one. They played at home against Montpellier on uh, Saturday afternoon, and Armel Tangi saw this one. Go, the explosion of pace past his man and the second to the byline Rafinha and in it goes off the heels of a Montpellier man Rafinha's first real involvement in the game this afternoon beating two men cutting back and creating the opening goal final touch off Damiala Talek is Camavinga the man who can create Martin back to Camavinga Gets it back from Mauwasa. Eduardo Camavinga running at the uh, Montpellier back line. Still going. Camavinga and finishing. Brilliant strike from the 17-year-old. Is there anything the teenager can't do? Ambrose Yongo. That's a very good header from Gaetan Laborde to pull one back for Montpellier. Armel, it finished 2-1. Um... That was probably, you know, it's probably quite flattering for Montpellier, no? Judging by the highlights I saw, Ren could have scored four or five. Yeah, and I think uh, I left out a bunch of chances in, in those highlights as well. Um, they Ren really should have been about three or four up at half time, um, which was bizarre, really, because Montpellier started strongly and then Ren woke up pretty much as soon as that goal went in from their first real acceleration towards uh, Montpellier's goal. 
From then on, it was uh, controlled. It wasn't helped by Florent Mollet's red card uh, five minutes before the break, which well, I'll go into later, but I feel it's unbelievable. Well, I heard in your commentary, you're not happy with it. You, but the thing is, he, his foot was high. You kept saying it's, that. You kept saying Mawasa in the commentary. You kept saying Mawasa's so small. Mawasa. It was more a case of Mawasa being too small. Mawasa is 1m72, and his head was down by his shoulders at that point. How is your foot high? As I said in commentary, if that was against Steven Nzonzi, he'd have probably got him in the crotch. It's I don't understand how that's a high foot. I really don't. And is it actually more painful he to get a stud the, on he, your forehead than on your arm? He kicked him in the face. Cyril, are the, are the referees being a bit harsh? We've had a lot of red cards this season. What did you think about the Mole red? Well, yes, I think it's harsh also. And yeah, I don't know what's happening to the fr- the league and players but and, and to the referees. But uh, it's really incredible the number of, of red cards uh, from the, the beginning. Uh, it's like one red card every two games. Uh, but they so seem also to be letting the play go. There are less for me. There seem to be less free kicks in games as well, which is a, p- a positive thing. So and it's then, only stop it if you're going to send someone. But off. are the red cards all with VAR? <laughs> this was a VAR. One. This I mean, was a VAR. Ma- red. Ter- coming back to the Ren game briefly. Now that I've managed to <laughs> <laughs> turn the turn the heat down on that Terrier's red card. I can't argue against mm. that. He came in. It was stupid as well. His team were team were 1-0 up and cruising but um yeah Ren couldn't put this one away until a young man I don't know if anyone's ever heard of him I think we all have now Kamavinga he can just do it all it's incredible he, he didn't have his most he didn't have his best game of the season where usually he's very busy in midfield winning balls back making making runs asking for the ball and distributing perfectly that wasn't quite he tried to do that wasn't quite working for him against Montpellier but that goal, it just comes yeah. deep, plays two one-twos, comes in, and he almost you know, like if that looked like basketball the way he made Pedro Mendes yeah. fall on fall on his butt. The step overs, yeah. the moves that movements over the hips. Doesn't even just touch so the ball, quick. it's just yeah. Ronaldinho sort of stuff in his body movement. Superb. And the finish not bad either, yeah, to get it across the goal into the into the corner. He's he's a wonderful player. Cyril, have you have you ever seen a better seventeen uh, year old playing in Liga? Well, uh, it's difficult to say, but uh, it's really a player that I love. Uh, his cameo uh, in Lille during the first game week was amazing. And uh, and yes, this weekend he was uh, also so good. Um, when you watch him on TV, it's, it's quite something. But when you watch him from the stadium, it, it's a different uh, stuff. Uh, he's amazing. Uh, I can remember having like the same impression with the first games of Karim Benzema in Lyon uh, back in the times, or or yeah, with Mbappe also uh, uh, but different that, different positions. But that's it. This guy's a central midfielder. Yeah. To be but already we're seeing at 16, him a different. 17. But already we're seeing a, a different type of player from the one yeah. that started last year, aren't yeah, we? Where yeah. it was pure number six mm. and Zonzi coming and the maturity he showed at 16 playing that deep role, and now. Mm. Well, that's what I wanted shirt, to ask. He's playing is, he, is, is he more of a, a box? Because last year we kind of thought he was, a, like you say, a number six, a defensive midfielder. He's a big, strong boy, great technique. But now we're seeing him raiding forward. Um, his passing, his dribbling. It's, it's, you know, is he more of a, a number eight? This is more of a box-to-box midfielder. Yeah. He's everything. I mean, yeah. Yeah. He can, he's the, so strong. He's still finding out what he's good at as well. I mean, in five years, he's going to be 21, 22. <laughs> I mean, 
It's, it's crazy to think that's when a normally a midfielder starts, you know, really. I remember watching Eden Hazard, uh, possibly when he was 16 or maybe just, just 17. And uh, yeah, and you'd see glimpses. You're like, oh, this, this is a player. But he still looked a little bit tender, a little bit like a, a boy playing with men. And Absolutely. once again, the, the position is not the same. No, no. Uh, when, when you play like this at 16, 17 years old, it's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And now at the start of a season, two weeks in a row, it's his contribution that's given Ren points. I mean, yeah. granted a, an assist, a flick on from a corner last week, anyone can do. But he made but a difference when he, he came on. He made the difference, difference when he came on. And, and, and this weekend, it's he that earns them the three points. Briefly before we move on, I'd like to make a... a a point about Brandon Soppy, the right back who played in in place of uh, Sasha Bowie because he was suspended following his red card in Lille last weekend. I was hugely impressed with Brandon Soppy, 18 years old, another Ren Academy product, so strong, s- such good decision making. Again, a difficult position to play at, at, at that age, and he was brilliant. And he he left uh, Mihailo Ristic and uh, the the left side of Montpellier's team really struggling to get the ball off him and get past him. So hats off, Brandon Soppy. And another central defender as well, who by all accounts is playing in a wide position at the back just to, to fill boots at the moment, but he's by all accounts a very highly rated central Good defender. Too. Good mm-hmm. name too, yeah. We'll yeah. put Soppy. him up there with Wesley Soppy, he is, he is everything, anything but Soppy. But uh, uh, Ren, like Leon, have this exceptional... Youth Academy, we, we asked the question earlier, can Leon mount a challenge to, to PSG? And one of the reasons we said that perhaps they, they could is because they're only playing uh, league matches this season. Rennes and Marseille, they're two other teams that will hope to, to push and compete near the top. Is their problem, Cyril, going to be the fact that they've got the Champions League to negotiate as well as Liga? Well, they have. To, they don't have the experience of the Champions League. Uh, it's, it's a fact. But their uh, rooster is is amazing, and they just uh, uh, bought uh, Serou Girassi, one of my favorite players in Liga, uh, really uh, under uh, underestimated, and uh, uh, they have Nyong, and I think they will keep him because uh, he will he will enjoy uh, having the Champions League with, with Rennes and uh, especially before the Euros uh, nobody seems to uh, to want to sign him uh, really bad uh, this year uh, apart maybe from some Qatar team so uh, he will stay and their their potential potential is is huge every uh, position is doubled uh a good really young manager, good young stuff. manager. And Julien Stéphane is great. Mm. Mm. Add, oh, yeah, add to on. the Champions League and uh, Cups, you know, the fact that now their midfield is also France's midfield, that might start to get a bit tiring over the course of the season. True. I don't know if Stephen Nzonzi is France's first choice. It, just, it, it was funny, they played, a, they played a three-man midfield and I was thinking, Bourigeau must must not feel great here. He's the only one that hasn't been picked for France this week. I mean, Terrier uh, had a great preparation. Rafinha is is a different player. What, yeah. Um, Nyong and and Girassi, well, everybody will will see uh, Girassi, who was so good at Amiens without so many balls to play. And yeah, uh, yeah. And to... got the experience. Kamavinga will be one of the future stars of the game. Uh, I really like. Uh, Rennes, yeah, uh, I, I, want, I wanted to ask Armo just about Rafinha because on the highlights he looked absolutely electric 
Um, yeah. Is, it, is, is he one of those players who looks better on the highlights? I think sometimes? he's got more to him than just being a YouTube player. Yeah. But um, it was it, it was strange because I was kind of saying it in commentary in the first half. Like, Ren could really do with getting him on the ball because he's got the pace. He's got that uh, that little bit of skill that can, you know, find a, a crack in a wall sort of thing. And the minute he was given that opportunity, it ends up in a goal. Um, I think that gave him a bit of confidence to to grow into the game and he hit the crossbar with a free kick in the second half. Um, I, it's promising because didn't really feel we saw the best of him last season. He, he came... Mm. But it for, took him a long time to find his feet and to settle yeah, in. Yeah, but which I mean, natural really when you don't speak a language and you arrive mm. somewhere and you're looking at the second choice goalkeeper to integrate you into the team because Roma Salah came with him from Sporting Lisbon. But... Uh, but yeah, I think you know he's another, as uh, as Cyril has said, another very, very impressive part of a very impressive squad. In terms of their European campaign, it was two years ago they were good in Europe, and last year it was just a disaster. The Champions League is a is a big step up again, and in terms of experience, I, I find it hard to hard to gauge if we'll see a Ren side like two years ago that just rode a wave of enthusiasm and was in form and, and took Arsenal all the way, those those matches that were exciting matches, Betis, wasn't it, where they came Betis, and they, yeah. they knocked out Betis and all of that was They got was very exciting. lucky against Arsenal, the 3-1 win. I don't know what happened to Arsenal that night. But then, <laughs> but then a bit unlucky to... to but then last to year out. was just, what, one point? Yeah, they finished from, from, from six group. matches yeah. in the Europa mm-hmm. League and... and you know, if you want, if we're talking about Champions League, it's the next step up. Atalanta showed that it can be done if everything falls into place and you play with this sort of, you know, unbridled enthusiasm. But it also can turn very sour very quickly. Guys, I've, I want to just um, step away from the action just for a few minutes and uh, just take a look at, at, at some, you know, I know we call it the League of Talents, but if I give you these these names, Eduardo Camavinga, Ryan Shirky, Bubaka Camara. Uh, Benoit Badiashil, Amin Guiri, Maxence Kakare, Wesley Fofana, Adil Aushish, um, Isaac Liagi. There are some phenomenal young players in France at the moment. And, you know, I've been here for sort of 18 years and there have always been top young players. But I just feel at the moment it is even more exceptional. We're going to hear from another youngster who's just come in, actually, uh, Jonathan David, 20-year-old Canadian striker. And we're going to hear from him a, a little bit later in the podcast. But... You know, Cyril, it feels like an exciting time. It feels like the, the current generation, 17, 18, 19-year-olds, are really special. Yeah, uh, but the fact is that uh, Ligue 1 clubs, they need to uh, trust them uh, because they need to sell their best player like every year. Small clubs, uh, for example, like Angers, uh, they need to, to sell uh, Ait Nouri. Uh, who is really young and they they will sell him but uh, I I don't know if you saw that uh, they uh, uh, they played uh, uh, a young uh, a young player from 2003 uh, show he's he's 16 and it's always like that and to be honest we need to uh, compare uh, this with a country like uh, like Netherlands and the, for example the new generation of of, of uh, Netherlands they are the same you you can see Gravenberg you can see a, a, a great player from uh, 18 19 years old for example the Sven Botman 
uh, who who is really good uh, on on the start of the season with his new uh, Lille club. Uh, he he played uh, in Ajax and he had 18 years old, 19 years old. And now the Ligue 1 is is uh, way uh, behind the Premier League and, and Bundesliga and, and Liga, mm. and and they need to. Uh, uh, as always, uh, for for ten years, twenty years now, uh, trust their their young players, and because they have to. There is it, a, it's a question of of, of uh, survival, survival. Yeah, yeah, economically. No, there, there, there's the the, the economic um, aspect to it, unquestionably, and that is, I think, the driving force as to why they're blooding these youngsters, why they're putting so much emphasis and and, and perhaps money as well into their into their youth academies. But I think there is this culture that is very strong in France, a culture of of, of of teaching young young boys and girls. We haven't even mentioned the fact that Leon won the uh, the women's Champions League for a fifth year running. Congratulations to Leon! But um, th- it seems to be deep rooted, Robbie, in France that kids that 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 come through, they're learning, you know, the basics, whether it's technique, whether it's you know tactics, you know, and and I think you know France. I, I think it's important to to highlight that it's something they get very right. Absolutely, and it's something that they decided to get right. I think we we talk about French culture and often on this podcast, or I do, and I think the French have a very sophisticated culture. They they they're very cerebral. It's a very intellectual approach to to all things they do. If the French decide to go into football, it's not to sell shirts and have people on the corner of the streets and going crazy and singing and waving flags out the window. It's to be the best at it. It's not like in England or in Italy or Germany where it's like a religion. Here, it's, a, it's a, not an intellectual pursuit. It's a competitive pursuit to be the best. And so they realize they can take a step back from the emotional side of football and say, this is what kids need to be the best. Let's set up a, a, these pole d'excellence a little bit everywhere, the big one in, in Paris, obviously, and let's focus on what kids need to become the best players. And the kids have a maturity as well that you don't... In, in Italy or in England... The kids all want to be strikers. They want to be the best striker they can. In France, they learn, the coaches tell them from the age of 12, 13, 14, you're going to play this position physically, you know, we've x-rayed your hand, you're going to grow this big, you're going to play here, and your teeth are coming through like this. And it's all a it's all a hugely complex approach to, and that's why they produce these kids. And yes, it pays dividends. And unfortunately, at the moment, all the young kids, instead of staying in Ligue 1 a little bit longer, uh, heading off because every, the rest of the world knows that the young French kids are the best. Look at Jules Koundé, one example, who left Bordeaux, kind of not many people knew about him, went to Seville, who have fantastic scouts in France, clearly, because they've gone on to win the Europa League with a you know a very Ligue 1 central team. And Jules Koundé played pretty much every game for them this season. He's- well, that's the difference. You've got guys who are 19, 20, and they've played 100 games in Ligue 1. And you look at it, people in England... I, I, they rave about Curtis Jones and, you know, I don't watch too much Liverpool. Well, even if you do, you don't see much. No, exactly. Him. The guy's almost 20, I think he's, you know, and he's played like a handful of sort of sub appearances. This guy, if he was in France, he would have played 100 games in Ligue 1. And in terms of the development of footballers, um, it, it, it's a real handicap in, in England. And it's, you know, they're, they're kind of being punished for the success of the league, if you like, because they're investing in all the best players from around the world. But it means the youngsters are not coming through. And it's something we do... You know, the, I think we should cherish in France and we are, you know, I've enjoyed watching Usamawa for four or five seasons already. You know, they're, they're not, some of them are leaving like Tongi Kwasi before we've even had a chance to kind of get a proper look at them. Upamakano, 
Saliba, we only really had one season, but um, but a lot of them are are staying. And I think you know, Kylian Mbappe has been a a good sort of role model in that respect, showing sort of the importance for him in terms of his career development of you know succeeding in his homeland first and foremost. The one that baffles me every time I I, I cover a game where he's playing, and it's not so much for his performances, although he is a very good player, but it's Nantes goalkeeper Albon Lafont, who's uh, I don't think he's even twenty yet. And he's got like 140 appearances. A goalkeeper. And he's played in it's, Italy. He's and, been abroad yeah. and come back. <laughs> he's played at Fiorentina. It's, it's mental. I mean, uh, clearly, he's do- he, okay, he started at Toulouse. They didn't have a great roster of goalkeepers there. But it's, yeah, so he's, he's 21 years old and he's made 127 appearances in Liga, which is it's, it's nuts. Can you imagine a goalkeeper doing that anywhere else in the world? We're going to just uh, have a look at the rest of the action in, in uh, Ligue 1 this weekend. Do, uh, do rate our podcast Le Bourgeois on all the different platforms, uh, Google, Spotify, Apple, etc., etc. Um, we do appreciate your support. Um, Rouse against Lille, that was uh, a big one with uh, two of the European qualifiers um, going head-to-head in Champagne country. Let's hear what happened. David Crossan uh, commentated this one. Shellick to his fellow Turk Yilmaz. Really good first touch from Yilmaz. Bomber to shoot. Oh, and he's found the back of the net for the second week running. And Lille are in front. Jonathan Bomber loves playing in August. Eight of his 27 league goals in the top flight have come in August. And Stephanie Frappard blows the final whistle. Christophe Galtier's Lille beating Rance by a goal to nil. So a good win then for, for Lille, thanks to Jonathan Bomber. Um, so far, I've, I've found that Lille have not, they're not quite clicking. They, they, they struggle to get balls up to their front three in the, uh, in the opening match against Rennes. Again, it was Jonathan Bomber who, who got the goal. Um, Cyril, what have you made so far of, of Lille and in particular of their new signing, Jonathan David? Um, who, you know, he hasn't quite had the goal-scoring impact that Aussie men had and Aussie men got two on his debut. Um, should Lille fans be concerned? No, I don't think so. I'm a big fan of, of Jonathan David. He's a great player. And he, for, for his age, uh, age also, he's got a big, a great experience. But at the beginning of the season, he seems a little bit rusty. Uh, he's got to settle uh, and to understand the way uh, Ligue 1 defenders uh, uh, defend. <laughs> and, uh, well, his new team uh, also, uh, they lacked uh, and they didn't have uh, Renato Sanchez, uh, who is uh, like the engine <laughs> guy in the middle uh, in the midfielder so um, uh, well Jonathan David uh, I think he will flourish uh, in Ligue 1 uh, he's, he's massive and uh, he's, he's quick uh, but maybe not so much uh, during these first uh, these first weeks uh, in Lille and uh, he has to uh, to understand the way uh, Yilmaz play, is playing and so it will come. Well, we, we spoke to Jonathan David and uh, we asked him if he, if he is feeling that pressure, the fact that Nicola Pepe was phenomenal two seasons ago, Victor Ozymen last season, and he you know, has been brought in 30 million euros 
and he does have some pretty big boots to fill. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, people people always talk about this, but for me, I, I just try to focus game by game and focus on what I can control. When you play, you always want to be involved in a game, touch the ball. But I, this is this is part of uh, part of the job. Some games is gonna be like that, and you know I just have to keep working harder to get in the right positions so my teammates can find me. And and the work I do is for the team. With more training, you know we're gonna get to know each other better, and with time everything's gonna click. I want to bring to bring goals, to bring victories to the team. And that's all. Now the side uh, leading the standings after round two, OGC Nice. Two wins out of two, the only side with uh, with six points so far. And um, yeah, Andy Scott is the, uh, the the lucky commentator who managed to see Strasbourg versus Nice. I mean, Kone was sold short there and it is a penalty to Nice. A disaster for Lamine Kone, it came from nowhere. The Dane Dolberg, Nice's top scorer last season, off the mark in the new campaign. And Nice have the lead here against Strasbourg tonight. I mean, Guiri with the interception. Dolberg in front of him, trying to thread it through. It's fallen very kindly for Kasper Dolberg. And that is an invitation that he is not going to refuse. The Dane scores again, Nice score again. And they're 2-0 up now. Armel, we saw Kasper Dolberg opening his account for the season. Two goals, a, a penalty and a, a lovely dinked finish for the for the second goal after Amin Guiri had uh, had a through ball sort of deflected into Dolberg's path. Um, nice, they've bought well. We know they've bought well. They're not yet producing flowing football, but two wins. Pretty, pretty encouraging start. Two wins and two doubles from their two front men, two young players who will need confidence at the start of this season. Uh, I think it's brilliant for them. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I said last week that they've got a, a fantastic spine going through the team with uh, Benitez, Dante, Schneiderlin, and I guess you can now consider Dolberg in that as well, having been there a season. And It's it's very, very promising. Um, I'm, I can't wait to, to see the season pan out for them, and I'm very happy for Kasper Dolberg as well because he's just really cool. <laughs> he's cut his hair off now. I think he looks cooler now with the, the crew cut, if that's still a word. Do, do we still talk about crew cuts? Um, Cyril, Nice top three this season? Uh, maybe. Uh, I think that their team is uh, now... Uh, they are building it for for months and some years, and they have a, a great team with uh, Ronnie Lopez, who is back uh, in France. Uh, Guiri, a fantastic player. Uh, I, I'm sad that Lyon uh, sold him so fast. And uh, yes, Dolberg is great. They have Boudaoui. Uh, I, I love this player. Mm. And uh, Alexis Claude Maurice uh, uh, had. Not so great uh, last season, but... Yeah, but he was better towards the end of the yeah. season when yeah, he, yeah. as well, it takes time he's to settle a, for these he's players. He's also a great player and, uh, uh, well, they are, all their signings, uh, these summer signings are really, really intelligent. Uh, Kamara and Lotomba, for example, uh, great players. Uh, and uh, obviously they've got Atal if they can uh, keep him. Uh, a, a, a fantastic player. Uh, goalkeeper, one of the best of, of the league. Uh, so, uh, yeah, nice, nice will be maybe a, one, uh, they, a surprise. Top five, uh, I, I guess. But They had one of the youngest sides in all of Europe last season. I think they had six of the youngest 
10 starting 11s across Europe's top five leagues last, last season. And this year, clearly what they've done is to try and bring in a little bit of experience and, and just have those heads that show that it happens in training every day of the week, not just with your talent on match day. And that's something I think Patrick Vieira has been trying to instill in the side as well, that it's, it's a daily thing. Let's not get caught up in, in match day and everything. You're a young side. Now let's focus on training and take it one step at a time. He's trying to play it very cool, I think. I think they've got a great team and they, they look the goods. Yeah, well, Nice are going to be very interesting to follow this season. Uh, there were wins as well this weekend for Bordeaux. Uh, 2-0 away to Angers. Monaco got their first win under Nico Kovac. 1-0 away to Metz. Nantes beat Nîmes by two goals to one. And uh, Saint-Étienne also victorious 2-0 against Lorient. We're going to look ahead to round three. It is the international break, of course, coming up, but we've got um, plenty of uh, exciting matches to to look forward to. So we're going to uh, just uh, go on a go on a little journey around France, and we're going to see um, where where to go. So we, uh, like I say, have plenty of matches to look forward to. You can watch it all in the UK on BT Sport. Before round three, Lens play against Paris Saint-Germain. That's on Thursday evening, Thursday the 10th of September, 9pm local time, 8pm in uh, the UK. Then round three commences on the Friday evening with Bordeaux versus Lyon, 8pm UK time on BT Sport. Um the Saturday night game sees Saint-Étienne taking on Strasbourg, 9pm local time, 8pm in the UK. And then the Sunday matches, we've got Lille against Metz, 12 o'clock uh, UK time, 2 o'clock Nîmes against Rennes, and then uh, 4 o'clock UK time, Monaco against Nantes. And then the big one, 9 o'clock in France, 8 o'clock in the UK, live on BT Sport, Paris Saint-Germain against Olympique de Marseille. So, no, I'm not going to ask Robbie because I know where he wants to go. Armel, <laughs> um, <laughs> where do you want to go in round three? Um, I mean, I was going to say a game that you didn't mention there, but that doesn't feel like the right thing to do. Mon- no, you can. You can. Oh, oh, really? Okay. Well, I'll, I'll go to Montpellier-Nice then if I can, because uh, they're a clash of two southern teams that don't particularly like each other. And uh, as I've just mentioned, I'm, I'm really excited about what Nice can do at the moment. They're top of the table after two weeks, which means absolutely nothing. But um, it's it's an exciting team to watch. They've got goals in them, and I think Montpellier need to need to step it up a little after after that game against Rennes. They'd have found their feet, and they've got some some uh, interesting players to watch as well. Young Joris Chotar, we could have added to the list of um, young talents you mentioned earlier. So that'll be me at the Stade de la Mousson on the Saturday afternoon kickoff. Yeah, Montpellier versus Nice, uh, five o'clock French time, four o'clock UK time, Saturday. The 12th of September. Cyril, what do you fancy for round three? Yeah, I would go to see Bordeaux-Lyon uh, because uh, what Gasset is realizing without like any preparation at all, uh, without knowing his team, uh, is amazing. Six points and uh, it will be the uh, four points, excuse me. It will be uh, the opening of the, uh, uh, of the game week and... Obviously, against Lyon, there's uh, always uh, uh, something to to watch and to enjoy, and and especially maybe to to see this Cacare uh, uh, Guimarães uh, association uh, in the midfield of of Lyon. Yeah, there are some good games, Robbie. What what do you fancy? Lorient Lens. 
the two league du sides. No, I'll be at the Parc des Princes, Paris Saint-Germain versus Marseille. Um, I'm curious to see which Paris Saint-Germain it will be. We know that uh, all the stars are staying on for another year. Uh, the, the transfer window is still to come, so there could be some, some changes, not between now and then, though. I think Marseille uh, are, are feeling rejuvenated. They're looking forward to European football. They'll be wanting to uh, live up to Dimitri Payet's tweeting. Uh, so I think it's uh, an exciting one. Yeah, I'm tempted to go to Lille to see Jonathan David uh, open his account against Mets, but I am going to stay local as well. I think I'll keep Robbie company because he might need consoling when, when Marseille get their first classic win in, in, in many, many years. Many, many years. Many, many years. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you uh, to Cyril Olives Berthe from L'Equipe. Thank you to Armel Tangi and Robbie Thompson. It's been a pleasure, guys. From, uh, from all of us, from me, Matt Spira, it's time to say goodbye. We'll see you again uh, for another uh, Le Beaujeu podcast after round three. Keep well, enjoy the international break. Bye-bye. 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 Oh, Benyera, beautifully done. Sensational.